What's up, everybody? Welcome to season four of Comic Book Nation. We are the official podcast of comicbook.com. If you are just now hopping into our show, we take all of our talented comicbook.com staffers who are the best in geek news and we put them on this podcast so we can argue and talk and discuss and break down all the happenings of the industry from everything from Marvel to DC to anime to wrestling to gaming to TV, to movies. We cover it all. So welcome to Comic Book Nation Season 4. I am your host, as I said, Kofi Outlaw. If you don't know, these are my regular co-hosts. With me is my comic book staffer who used to be in the trenches with me deep into the late hours of night, working on <laughs> articles and doing all kinds of analysis and pretty much fighting with me over the desk. Matthew Aguilar is with us. <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah, reintroduce yourself for season four, man. People don't necessarily. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, man. I, oral, I remember those days fondly, Kofi. Yeah, no, you don't. But that's what yes, we'll get I into do. in season I four. Do. <laughs> also with us, Twitch streamer extraordinaire, former American Idol extraordinaire, former oh, B girl and possibly spy. We don't know what else your resume <laughs> has. It's it's pretty expensive. Is uh, Janelle Wheeler with us? And oh yeah, Hello. former host of our uh, of our kind of pioneering Talking Dead show uh with uh brandon yeah. davis janelle wheeler's with after us after the dead what's up everybody yeah i'm so after excited man after the dead that's, I, got I, just, I just i just i just did serious copyright you can Please, totally Harder, I, I would be fine with people thinking i was on talking dead that'd be great <laughs> but yeah all right so great. it started with that the is our zombies brief- and all in the comics yeah, there yep. you go. That is our brief introduction for uh, season four, just to catch you guys up in case you don't, if you're just joining the podcast now. But if you are joining now, it's probably because of our season four premiere today. We have something very special for you guys. An interview that I think anybody who is a comic book TV show slash movie fan will appreciate. We sat to sit down with Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio, the Kingpin Wilson Fisk himself, to talk about his return in Marvel's Hawkeye, as well as what we might be getting from the future of the Kingpin, should it continue in the MCU. Plus, if you know anything about Vincent D'Onofrio, the man is an actor's actor, so we got to dive deep with him about doing everything from shaping Kingpin to just the general state of acting in the industry and what it's like to be a star of a Marvel property. So without further ado, let's just get to it. Our talk with Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio coming to the comic book nation. Comic book nation today is a very special day because as I have teased and we have teased for a few episodes now, we have a much anticipated guest with us tonight. I'm so excited. Let's all welcome actor, producer, director, writer. Happy National Screenwriters Day, by the way. The one and only Vincent D'Onofrio. Hello, welcome. Hey. (laughs) I know, I wish I had like an applause button. I'm so glad you joined us today. Thank you so much for being here. I know uh, our our schedules have been kind of crazy because you've actually been in Australia. I know that's been a totally different time zone. And I have just been itching to ask you, what have you been up to over there? Well, I'm developing a project with a company out there, a company called Bunya, and they're a very good uh, company. And um, so there's a, a, a documentary filmmaker named Ben Lawrence, who I, I really like his films. He actually has a, a big film coming out um, about Julian Assange, where he spent time with Julian in, in the, in the, in the, um, in Ecuador. And, and then, 
and his family. So it's a it's a huge film coming out. And but he did a he did a, a documentary many years ago, I think like 20 years ago, called Ghost Hunter, which which I always liked. It started off as if it was going to be about a ghost hunter in a small town in Sydney, outside of Sydney. And um, it it changes into this other thing that's completely different. And it examines this the life of this guy who who claimed to be a ghost hunter. And you it unfolds this horrific past of him and the community and it becomes it's it's a great thing if you haven't seen that doc it's called ghost hunter it's really good it's by ben ben lawrence directed it and so we're developing what could be a series um a you know live action series uh from that using the main character and um the gist of what it's about because it has multiple um arcs and multiple storylines and it's it's pretty pretty freaking cool oh my so gosh. yeah so we're trying to to do that this is yeah. juicy i'm actually do you have any idea like time timeline wise like when it, no, no not, not at all we're just oh. we're right, at, right at the beginning and um you know i have a, a you know we're at the point where we know what we want to make now and now we have to start hiring people to to develop it further oh my gosh that's so good so exciting yeah. Uh, yeah. i know it's I, it's so easy to just get caught up especially because we're a comic book to just ask you know kingpin kingpin what's going on what's going on but like i love and so do your fans you have such a huge fandom of people that just your praises about how multi-talented you are and your roles and and everyone it's just so beloved like in the comment sections whenever i read anything or watch any interviews on you you don't have trolls <laughs> you just have people who love what you do and that is really special <laughs> yeah i used to have trolls yeah i used to have trolls yeah i used to but i what i did was i just stopped um i stopped uh i put them in a box where they don't exist and i ignored them for you know, <laughs> a long, long period of time. And they've just kind of gone away. And every once in a while, one will show up and I just, I just ignore it because I just think that there's too much going on in the world to, to perpetuate negative stuff. So truly, it's, and I used to get, com I used to get com combative. And it was just, it was, it was really hurting nobody but myself. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought, cause it's just ridiculous. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing that that um, these things are that people are liking what I do. I've, I'm always fascinated and and just flattered by it. I don't know. I I don't live the Hollywood life, and so I I live in New York, and my kids didn't grow up in Hollywood or anything. And and I I just every time you know because of social media, I've I've been able to connect with my fans or 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 any kind of audience really, and. Um, it, it makes you appreciate more, um, makes me appreciate more why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, I hope that in the next 20 years or so that I'm able to, I'd like to, because of the streaming services, I'd like to be juggling a few characters at once, you know, and because you're, you're, when I was growing up in, in the business and doing, when I started out, you could only do one show at a time, you know, you can only do a film and, and that was it or a show, you know, and that's it. And nowadays, you know, I could, you know, I'm hopefully I could end up juggling 
two or three performances, you know, we'd love that three different series. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really like that. You yeah. know? Us too. Yeah. yeah. Janelle actually set up a question perfectly for a question I wanted. I've been dying to ask. And one that I think all the trolls should maybe sit up and pay attention to, which is this. We've heard for a long time that's been a staple of actors that the kind of greatest, for lack of a better word, rush for an actor is live stage performance where you can kind of take the immediate feedback from the crowd, from your performance and what hits and kind of what energy feedback you get from that. How does it compare to get a call from the biggest producer in entertainment right now, Kevin Feige, and be told, Vincent, you did this role so well that we cannot find anybody else. It, it has to be you. We need you back. As an actor who just kind of set that milestone, how does it compare to the kind of the rush or the joy of like live stage performance or any of the kind of rushes of acting? Um, it's probably comparable to somebody getting, you know, a promotion in their job the one that they wanted, you know, it, it probably is comparable to a kid getting their first paying job, you know, um, you know, like I was when I was in my pre-teens, I think, yeah, pre-teens, I got my first job at a diner washing dishes. And I remember that that was a huge thing that, that the idea that I would have a paycheck was like tremendous. Cause I was, I was into magic back then. And it meant that I could, actually buy tricks and cause they were very expensive. And, and uh, you know, the, I had this, I'm going to go off story a little bit, but it's comparable to that. You know, I, I, you know, to have Kevin call me and say, I'd like you to come to Hawkeye. It was like, you know, I think it's comparable to somebody getting that up that they want, you know, I, I can, can relate to that. It's the same thing. I mean, it did put a smile on my face and I did say yes right away. You we know. kind of said to you because we know you're such a good and humble actor. <laughs> but I want to say you're also a New Yorker. So if you have any friends in like the hip hop community, this might be the time to go and get them to take you and get like, you might need to get like a golden necklace at this point that just says <laughs> like Kingpin with a crown over the K or like Big Willie or Fisk Life. Because I, I mean, this Big is, Willie. I mean, if you can't hum, if you can't humble brag now, like when can you, right? Oh, I can, I can humble brag. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm, I don't live in, a, in that much of a bubble, you know, that's, I, I understand that I'm good at what I do and that, that, that I work really hard at it. And, um, and that's why I'm, you know, I'm, my performances are acceptable and, 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 and so it's, it's because of the, the time and the effort that I put in and it's the time and the effort that everybody around um, puts in. So it's, yeah, I, I get it. You know, I get it. That's, that brings me to my next question perfectly. It's like you're a professional or something. Goodness. Uh, I, my next question was, Have now that you've been on Netflix and Disney Plus, any differences in the set, in the process, in the filming? Is it, does it feel different now being, you know, yeah, in I the mean, Disney I, Plus? Um, yeah, I mean, I've only had this one experience and I don't know, you know, if there is going to be another experience, but 
it's it is it is it was fascinating for me to dive in with the writers and and to 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 get to know the producers and um you know it's they're really good people and they're all nerds like me and and they all dig what they do and 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 um they're just so happy you know like you when you're talking about character and you're talking about story with them you know they're throwing really good ideas at you and 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 they're accepting really good ideas you know collaborative efforts in 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 my business and i guess in most businesses you know take free thinkers open minded people that have um and the more experience they have the better or sometimes some inexperienced person will come in and just blow you away with their <laughs> ideas so there's that too but you know that the idea that the best idea in the room no matter who it comes from it the truth rings the loudest and and that's the way they operate over there you know that's it's, cool that that was the coolest thing about going in is that it was you know there there was a there is always as you go into a huge project there is always the wonder about you always wonder like how free think how much free thinkers are there going to be are there going to be how many are there going to be and who are they going to be and and how far are how are how what how many boundaries are there going to be and so with with the um marvel folks over at Hawkeye, um they were just wonderful. I mean, just from the beginning to the end, you know, we did a lot of versions of a lot of things and it's always fascinating to, and they hire really good directors, you know, um, Reese and, and the Burt's. And I mean, I could go on, there's just all these um, amazing people working. And then the, the, the producers are always on set and they're always helpful. And it's, I tell you, it was a really good experience. You That's know? so good to hear. Yeah. Like, it's really, because you always kind of, I, I don't know, I always wonder, like, is it Disney-fied? Like, is there, like, a little bit of sparkle on it? Like, is it a little, you know, when you wish upon a star? <laughs> like, but it's, it also sounds like you were kind of able to be free to be the, you know, the Fisk that we know and love. And so yeah. I guess that kind of leads me to my next question, the tone. Well, wait, but wait a second, before you go to your next okay. question, though. Okay. The, the, the 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 when you wish upon a star twinkle thing that you, you just mentioned mm-hmm. you know that is in me like, like i have that like when i think of disney that is what i think of me too <laughs> yeah like i grew up with disney my kids grew up with disney we still go to disney i just spent five days in me with my 30 20 World? 30 year old daughter no in uh land in los, los angeles before i went to australia i stopped in la i stopped here <sighs> And, um, you know, from New York and, and uh, Layla and I went to Disney for a few days, Love it. spent the night there and, and it was, just I know you're talking, I'm from Orlando, Florida. Yeah. I grew up, everyone okay. in my family has worked for Disney. So oh, okay. Been. Well, I've been going to, I've been going to Disney world in Florida for 30 years. Gosh, I love you it. You know, easily 30 years, you know, that's awesome. And now you're yeah, part of it. You're our part names, of magic. Yeah. In fact, our names are engraved in one of those things. You remember that they used yeah, to do in that? Epcot? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, they stopped doing that. They won't let anyone do it anymore. 
Uh, I can imagine. It's probably, that's so you know, cool. Oh, yeah. dude, that's so cool. I don't mean, I guess. That, well, then the only other thing that I was going to say is that, you know, is the tone any different as opposed to like Daredevil? Does it feel any different? And like, did you make any? Well, it's, it's I think the tones are obvious. I think it's less yeah. bloody. It's less bloody. <laughs> and, 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 but, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, we talked a lot about it. And, you know, for me, it's not a worry because, you know, if I ever get the chance to to take it further with the MCU, then I'm going to do the same work I did on Daredevil like I did in Hawkeye. You know, he's about emotional brutality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is just a mess. He's a broken monster. And he he is capable of, you know, many different kinds of brutality because he he just is a brutal monster and 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 um so so that none of that worried me during hawkeye you know i i did i did notice obviously that there's there's more there's less blood and there's less um torture yeah the thing you have to do is you have to stay away from torture you know and 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 that's that that really cuts things out like the minute like a lot of baddies that you play they're not just baddies but they also actually torture people they take control of them and yeah. torture them and that's too hardcore yeah. and 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 so it's um so that's that's out for now you know that was out for hawkeye you know and w- hopefully something will happen after that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I hope so. Not to interject, but I just had an interesting follow-up question to that. One of the the interesting things of watching your performance in Hawkeye that I noted was it kind of broke the rules of Disney for me in my brain because I knew, okay, this is a Disney world. They're probably Wilson's is probably not going to murder anybody, but I remembered your performance from Daredevil so vividly that I still had that fear that when Kate Bishop is in that, shop with you like i'm like she's gonna get horribly murdered you know like yeah yeah did, was that something you guys were aware of the kind of meta component to that and well i always wouldn't be able to bring the actual fright that it could be hanging there yeah i mean best case scenario for me is that that does exist no matter what he's doing you know but that's up to me to carry in mm-hmm. you know i need to carry that in you need to when you see wilson fisk it it needs to make you uneasy no matter what's happening whether he's dressed in that family business costume that i was in the hawaiian shirt i love the hawaiian shirt yeah Yeah. that was you know i don't know if you guys know this but i think adam does but this that that's that fisk that cover has been on as my computer uh wallpaper for the last few years yeah yeah yeah, wow. I only knew because I studied. I studied your interview with Adam. That's the, oh my and that's, gosh, that and is that's so why cool. It, yeah, and that's why it's in the show. That is you know? so, so awesome. Yeah, it was awesome for me too. Yeah, me. and yeah. still scary. Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. You know, but I, I have to say, you know, I learned recently though. I've learned recently that you know, people, uh, a couple of the fans, although they they were very excited about it, on um, they were saying. You know, they were commenting about the strength that I have because I'm throwing Kate around and stuff. But, you know, I totally forgot. Uh, I just saw a clip 
on Twitter of me and Charlie fighting in Denight's first season. Even Denight, who's mm. obviously an incredible writer. I mean, he helped develop the character of Wilson Fisk, you know, because um, he wrote it. And and but there's a scene in an alley that we shot on the street in Brooklyn um, where I'm literally throwing Daredevil, Charlie, through the air. Like I'm picking him up and swinging him for, you know, 15 feet into a garbage can. You know, like I do it a few times in that fight. It's no different. You know, it it really isn't. You know, it's, it's um, so I keep saying that you know it's the same it's the same fisk as it was in in D and it's the same canon but people get confused about things i understand you know the thing is that the trick is is that you can't you can't connect every dot it's impossible exactly but you can connect as many as you can you know like we really try to connect as much as we can and yeah. and so in my mind and i think it will always be that way that it is you know, it is the same Fisk. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off track there, but yeah. Keep going. It's great. <laughs> we love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Just keep the train moving. So there's a Hollywood legend um, around Full Metal Jacket time. You you gained upwards 70 to 80 pounds to yeah. play Gomer Pilot. And another, some website said it was a world record at one point. So congratulations. Hopefully you have a plaque for that somewhere. Uh <laughs> But I do then not. A sim- thank you very okay. much. You have then a similar amount for for Kingpin and Daredevil, but then you come to you know you fast forward to the 2020s, um, and Avengers Endgame shows us that Marvel can put a suit on someone like Chris Hemsworth to bulk him up. Uh, what tricks did either you or Marvel uh, take this time around compared to the Netflix iteration of the villain? Were you wearing a suit? Did you gain? some weight it was it just perspective yeah. tricks with the camera a little of both it wasn't perspective tricks although maybe there was on a couple of shots there was but we did we you know we tried a, a couple of different looks and the one we we came down to was some extra uh shoulders and an extra chest and an extra girth around the middle so but i did i did i always go up it about somewhere between 15 and 20 pounds um, when I play this because he needs that round face, you know, and, and it's easy for me to get a round face because I'm um, from Naples in Italy and everybody has round faces there. <laughs> and that's where my roots are, both sides of my family. So, the, you know, in fact, I didn't know that I didn't, I never thought that I looked Italian when I was a kid because I didn't look like a Roman and and um and then later on my my grandfather and my father and I three of us went to um Napoli where where we were from and uh i i'm like oh my god everybody looks like me you know like it's like everybody i look like everybody here you know so anyway but yeah so you know i have to put on additional weight to get some girth in here and uh to fill out my cheeks a little bit more and 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 then the rest, it, I, I can't put on that much weight anymore because it's it's because of my age. It's too hard to take off and it's just not healthy anymore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> back when I was young, I, I could go up and down fairly frequently. Yeah. That's wild. I just, I, 
<laughs> any any tricks of the trade for getting it off now that the new year's here <laughs> it's just yeah i get you yeah no it, it's uh it, it you know it's what you would think it's you, you have to be on a healthy diet and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean less food it just means the right kind right of food, food and and the right amount of times a day and um and you know um yeah i've always worked out my whole life so it's and there's the, I never stopped working out. I only changed my size. So it's, so I'm always, I never lose my, 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 um, my stretching and I never lose my strength. You know, I just, I just change sizes. You know? I need to get back in the gym. <laughs> I do. Now you're really, you're getting me excited to get back in the gym and be like, for Fisk, like lifting the weights. I love it. Um, what is your, my, this is just a fun, you've kind of already answered this and I know you've been asked this a bajillion times, but we have to ask like, what, what is your hope for your continuation on within the MCU as like an actor and like features? I just feel like there's so many possibilities that we could look forward to. I know you can't confirm and you probably don't even know what's going to happen in the future, but what, what do you hope for the most? Are you talking about MCU? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I did know. Cause, it, <laughs> but it's, it, you know, it's, I, I can only say that, that I hope that I get to keep playing. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, I'm obviously very into this character. Uh, it's I've been into a few characters in my career um, out of all the ones I played. There's probably three or four maybe that I I would love to somehow repeat um, just because I feel like there just wasn't enough exploration. And, and, you know, and Wilson Fisk is one of those, you know, he's, he's a very particular human being. And I think that he, I think that there's many uses for him in the MCU. Was, and um, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say as a follow-up, was there ever something you in your kind of actor process that you fantasized or created or, or seized on as an interesting new perspective on Fisk that you never haven't gotten yet to explore, but ideally you're interested in or would love to explore? Yeah. I mean, um, I yell at Zur who played Vanessa, who's, you know, she's an amazing actress, this oh, woman. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, during our process um, in the third season and in the, in the, in the second season, And in a bit of the first, but it definitely, definitely the third season, you know, there was something that happened there that we, that we were always um, wanted to get right. And, and that was that he, this monster can be in love and that, and that somebody can love the monster and that, and that, that was so important to get away with. And so for me, there's a lot more that we can do with that, that to show this guy as a, as a human being and dealing with stuff that we all deal with, that's not so heightened, but he lives in that heightened world of reality. You know, I think that's the most interesting thing to me. I think there's a lot more we could do with that. If we, if, if anybody had the mind to do so, yeah. Is Fisk in love and caring about stuff more dangerous 
than Fisk not in love and still having this kind of detached attachment to the things around him? Um, if you're in a cage with a lion and there's, a, there's some other meat in the cage other than you, you might not get eaten first, but you will get eaten. <laughs> That's amazing. That's all. I'm going to take and that I, one home and mull that. Yes. I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> on a, while I mull that on a simpler thing, um, and this is just my personal final question, you mentioned characters you would like to revisit. Over, we would be remiss if we didn't ask, Law and Order has been dipping into some fun kind of universe character team-ups. Is Detective Robert Gorin one of those characters you would personally love to revisit? Absolutely. I've made it clear to Dick Wolf that, that I, would, I would come back. If he wanted to do a streaming, like a, if he wanted to stream six to 10 or 13 episodes, I would be totally into it. You know, I, I, uh, you know to play a more mature um, Robert Gorin, would be really fun. Um, and, you know, Warren Light, who writes uh, Special Victims Units, was, you know, was one of my favorite writers on Criminal Intent. And uh, I think he would be great. And um, also Chris Broncato, who's, who writes The Godfather of Harlem, we first met on the last eight episodes of, of Law and Order. Yeah, I mean, I would like to revisit it, but that's up to Dick Wolf. You know, he knows... I made it very clear to him that I would. So um, that's up to him. I have really no say in that, you know. But yes, the answer you, is yes. I would like that. You mentioned the cage fight. Um, and I've got to ask, you know, you're you're redeveloping Fisk. You get the call from Kevin. You're, you start redeveloping uh, Fisk. I know you had mentioned in the past you and your your son have, have kept up with all the MCU movies and whatnot. One, um, you know, what's kind of your headcanon on what Fisk was doing during, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and in the blip? And two, you know, you mentioned a lion, but what happens if Fisk and Thanos are in the cage? Do you think, you know, the old Kingpin could take down the Mad Titan? No, no weapons, no gauntlet, no, no anything. Just, just hands. Ooh. Um, I, I mean, I, you know. I, 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 he, there's nobody can beat Fisk. Nobody. That's perfect. <laughs> did you, did you hear that, Adam? Just leaving it there. There's the mic. There mic it is. drop. Yeah. <laughs> mic drop. Where, what was Fisk up to during the, the blip during the snap? I think, I think he lost his, uh, he lost his power. Mm-hmm. And I think that that he, he his his um, empire fell, and and um, because all this otherworldly stuff was going on, and so yeah, I think that it's um, given the opportunity he might have been able to even grow his empire during that stage, but he wasn't given that opportunity, mm-hmm. and so I think I think that I think the as far as Hawkeye goes, he's on his way back to grabbing back what is his. And, you know, it's clear, I think, from the scene with Vera 
and the scene with Maya, um, all the scenes with Maya, that, um, you know, he's going to, he, he, you know, his, his mind is set on being the king. And so that's what he's going to be. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> that's just, I don't know how else to stop yeah. to, to end the interview. It's, I mean, you have to, you have to understand that, that, that it's, it's, you know, that anybody that plays any one of these types of characters in the MCU is going to have an answer similar to that. I mean, because we, in the comics, we never die. That's so true. (laughs) You know, and only a few of us have lost, only a few of the Marvel characters have lost their powers, whether it be monetary or, or magical or, or superhero powers. Um, but most of them get it back. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, that's the kind of general canon of the MCU, of, of the comics, of, of the Marvel comics. So you can't expect an answer less than that from <laughs> somebody who plays one of the characters. You know? Okay. So are, would you say that you're a big comic book reader and fan, or did you start really getting into it when you got this role to begin with? I was never one to collect or trade or anything right. like that. But when okay. I, and I don't read them anymore, I, I use them. I don't read newer stuff anymore, but I did when I was a kid. I mean, my people were, were um, Batman, uh, the Punisher, Daredevil and Captain America. Wow. And Spider-Man and Spider-Man. Yep. And yeah. what potentially maybe someday we could see uh, a little Spider-Man and Fisk action. That's what we're hoping for. Would that be a dream come true for you? Like just knowing that as a kid, you like read Spider-Man. I mean, I feel like that'd be so cool. It'd be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. One last question. The reason why I wasn't a Superman fan is because it's always been like, okay, Superman wins. Oh, I mean, you can't beat Superman. So it's like, it's like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, how do you, you know, how, you know, you know, the whole kryptonite thing, you know, it's so hard to find kryptonite. Yeah. so difficult to find it. It is. I love it's anti-heroes hard. the most. Like, I really do. I love weaknesses. I feel like that's what makes you love a character. So I guess uh, this is just a guilty pleasure for me asking. I, we've already seen you in Marvel. Would you want, would you have anybody in mind for DC if you could play anyone in, in the DCEU? You're like, oh god. That's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm sure there's a bunch I could play. I don't know. You know, I, I, I it's hard because you know the, a lot of them have been done so well that mm-hmm. you know it's hard. That's a tough question. Well, that's you know, what we one. could do we can have you back. And you'll have an answer ready for us. I'll give you time to think on it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. you, you can definitely have me back. That's that would fine. be great. Well, yeah, I think- to be, yeah, to be yeah. fair. Well, there you have it. That it's was a perfect our- ending. <laughs> yeah, perfect ending. Perfect transition. I'll be back. I started rambling about nonsense. But uh, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> we at least secured him to come back. And uh, see us again, which we were all very happy and honored to have him join us for Comic Book Nation. And uh, thanks for Janelle Wheeler for locking that down. It, it got a little strange. I did we had to fire your season. Yeah, we had to fire your <laughs> season four replacement, but we got that all worked out under the wire. 
to get him wow. in and wow. Landis and yeah, thank you, Janelle, again for uh, for, awesome. for putting that. We up would never. Nah, I'm just kidding. You're irreplaceable. Um, no, irreplaceable. Speaking of replacements, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and uh, hopefully they'll let us come back and uh, do the second half of the show because we're going to talk about the latest episode of the book of Boba Fett. Plus, this is Comic Book Nation, and if you are just now getting into this show, we do actually talk comics. So Matt has the first comics of 2022 that we are going to break down for you. So everybody stay tuned, and thank you once again for to Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio for joining us. Welcome back to season four of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com, where we break down all things in the geek sphere for you. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. We just finished our interview with Kingpin actor, Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio. So if you missed that after this live stream, be sure to go back and listen to that. If you're watching live with us, if you're just hearing the recording, then you know what to do with the rewind button because you downloaded on your favorite podcast platforms. And thank you for that. All right. Now that Vincent D'Onofrio is done and out the door, we can get back to our usual shenanigans at this show. So my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler are with me. And now we are going to move straight into spoilers about the book of Boba Fett. Spoilers. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yes. The book of Boba Fett episode two is now out on and streaming and uh, star Wars fans have had a couple days to kind of dig into that. And, um, break it down and this second episode i think there's a lot to kind of talk about uh the first episode of book of boba fett seemed to be kind of splitting people and we discussed it uh on our last show of last year in season three which when kind of getting to the question of whether the book of boba fett was maybe too much insider baseball for for kind of long time or hardcore star wars fans in this particular series, as opposed to something like the Mandalorian, which kind of frames this conversation. I stuck it in here at the end, but I want to put it up front. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett uh, episode two and all the kind of star Wars Easter eggs and all the goodies there and the setup and the theories. But the larger question here is, is this series kind of proof that the Mandalorian may have been a mainstream fluke that kind of really was carried by that whole baby Yoda you know, Mando being hot, zaddy, baby Yoda kind of relationship that kind of really got to people as opposed to this, which is really much more hardcore Star Wars character deep dive exploration. So keep that in mind as we talk. And um, let's just go through the book of Boba Fett episode two. So not much different. It seems like we're pretty set on the storytelling perspective. We're going to get the present day action of Boba Fett and Fennec Shan trying to build this criminal takeover job, the Hutt's criminal empire. People have problems with a Z with that. Uh, but we're also getting this flashback of Boba Fett kind of earning the respect in his place in a tribe of Tuscan Raiders. We don't call them Raiders anymore. That is very on PC, just Tuscans now. So uh, Tuscans in, um, yeah, and this one they pull a train heist, uh, and there's a bunch of Easter eggs in this from the Star Wars underworld. And uh, if you're like us and have been following Star Wars comics over the last couple of years or seasons of this show, there is a lot to be excited about in this. So let's just kind of uh, run through it real quick. 
So just the bullet point list is we got to see the infamous black Wookiee gladiator, black Kersantan made his appearance. Now, this amazing, is amazing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I was so just watching. Cool. Yeah, I was just watching this episode at like my usual two in the morning uh, thing here in Nashville. But uh, yeah, when he came on screen, I sat up and was like, no, they didn't. <laughs> I had no expectations or idea. But if you don't know who Black Kersantan is, he's a black Wookiee, uh, black furred Wookiee. We keep saying black Wookiee. I feel like that's wrong. But black furred Wookiee uh, from the comics. He debuted in Marvel's line of Star Wars comics in the mid 2000s, which we have hyped here. Like I said, since the show began as being some of the best Star Wars content out there. Um, he's a bounty hunter, but he was a Wookiee who was violent and kind of a criminal and he got disgraced and had to leave the Wookiee home planet. And he volunteered for this kind of, you know, Wolverine style upgrade process with these two (laughs) notorious gladiator makers who are really just slavers. And they enhanced him with this kind of real crazy cybernetic enhancement process. And he became one of the biggest bounty hunters in Star Wars who they, and they kind of retconned him back into all these events. He was hired by Vader you know, he hooked up with Dr. Afra, which was his main thing. You know, the character we love here, Dr. Afra, And he was part of her kind of crazy bizarro crew of like Luke Skywalker's. He was like her dark Chewbacca. She had a dark C-3PO and a dark R2-D2. And so like he really kind of broke out there. And so having him in live action is a big deal. This is like a Star Wars comics character who they are bringing into live action. I mean, he wasn't like from the animated world or anything. So this is a big deal. And now we're all hoping Dr. Afra is coming too. Yeah. This is like them. Who knew that Boba Fett would be the show that like low key brings like all of my favorite things about the Star Wars comics into reality. I would have never never guessed that. (laughs) I know. But yeah, so Black or Santin, we got Hut twins. We also got some other things uh, in the flashback sequence. The train was being run by the Pike Syndicate, which is a famous syndicate that also, again, these are people who got their start in Star Wars animation, Star Wars novels, comics. They appeared in live action in Solo. They were the ones who ran the Kessel Mines that, you know, on Solo, Lando and them, you know, raided on the infamous Kessel Run. Uh, and we got them unmasked for the first time. And now we know why they wear the masks, because you cannot be a threatening gang and look like cute fish at the same time. It doesn't work. Right. So you got to have some scary masks on because being fish people, it's it's yeah, it's hard to be scary like that. That's, I didn't now, even think of that. <laughs> now, well, I mean, here's it's like a bunch go. of what is coming after you. you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Threatening. I know. But yeah. Um, so. Now we put on our tinfoil hats, okay? So stick with me here. Because we're going into a lot of stuff we've been talking about the last year. So the Pike Syndicate was running Spice, which is, you know, Star Wars drug of choice, Spice, uh, through Tatooine. And Boba Fett stopped this and made them start paying a tax and says, go back to your bosses, which leads to the question of who is running the Pike Syndicate at this time. Now, if you've been reading Star Wars comics and such, there's been this big thing in the last year of make bringing back Han uh, Solo, a Star Wars stories, kind of anti-hero lady, Lady Kira, making her the new leader of Crimson Dawn, which was the syndicate that Solo was trying to work for when he did the castle run and revealing that Kira builds this new Crimson Dawn as a spy network. She has this major conflict with Boba Fett over Han Solo's carbonite body. And but then she starts plotting this bigger expansion of Crimson Dawn to outlast the Empire And we were all like sitting here tapping our noses like, hmm, coincidental story or something we're going to have to deal with possibly later in the book of Boba Fett. And those threads are still running, right? Like whoever's behind 
there's a, there's somebody pulling strings, running the Pike syndicate, running spice through Tatooine, kind of stirring up these different factions to come out, come after Boba Fett. And it's the question of who is this? And uh, yeah, there's big potential for more big cameos. We could see Amelia Clark back as Lady Kira. We, a lot of us think we're going to see uh, Harrison Ford pop in as Han Solo towards the end of this. Uh, and Chewbacca will be with him. We might even see Billy D. Williams Lando show up. You know, these are all possibilities for who we could see. Um, and which would make Brook, Book of Bro. Oh, Knights of Ren, too. Yes, Brywood. Thank you. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, we could just get a whole gallery of all these people, like, you know, a throwback to Empire with all of them just appearing in a room as Boba Fett's yeah. like handling crime business. So um, I'm loving Book of Boba Fett, if you can't tell from my long monologue there. <laughs> my question to Matt and Janelle is going back to this thing. Do you think without. Do you think Baby Yoda and this whole thing made Mando this mainstream success and that's harder to carry over for Boba Fett? Or do you think it's something else? Because I know Jim Viscardi, producer Jim Viscardi, is, uh, he's hating on the Tuscans, which yeah, I don't know. I might say, you know, the Tuscan hate. I don't know if you could say that this day and age, Jim, but uh, you do you. <laughs> Janelle, do you have a... Don't get canceled. I mean, I guess like just for me to say overall, I... I truly feel like I'm eating crow the second week because I kind of hated on it. Episode one, I, I was very critical. I was kind of bored and I don't think I gave it the chance that I should have. Um, and I don't need a cute little like creature to like a story and appreciate action and uh, and I just felt like there was obviously like more story in the second episode for me to like uh, for me to chew on for me to get to know him better to get to know um, the world that he's in better and so I I don't feel lost I don't feel like I I don't know what's happening like I feel like I'm a part of it and I really liked this episode it was the highlight of my week like viewing wise. So I, I'm all about it now. And I'm, you know, I got my, my galaxy behind me and I'm like, I'm all about it. I'm, I actually like this more than I thought I would. And I'm so glad I gave it a second chance because if it had not been for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched episode two, Yay! honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Way to go. Yay. So I, well, here's the thing. I, I enjoyed the first episode I, and I think I was kind of in between everybody last time. I was like, I didn't like, love it as much as like the Mandalorian's first episode, but I, I liked it a lot and I, and I enjoyed it. And at the beginning of this episode, um, we start out kind of like, you know, in the present and things like that. And then as soon as it ducks to the past, I would probably say I was in Jim's corner of like, Oh man, like I want to see more of that just because that stuff is so good. Not because the stuff is bad. It's just cause like, I want to see more of that. And then I, I watched that whole story play out. And that's, those are my favorite moments from the entire episode. Like that story of him with the Tuscans and the whole train, all of that. I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was rooting for them. I was like literally gasping out loud when like one of them would get knocked off or shot or whatever. I felt for them in a way that I have not ever before. And so there's a level of empathy there. And there's also a level of just you know, more and more like Boba is this show is more and more turning him into like a true anti-hero in a way, more so than in times past. Right. And some of that feeling comes from just seeing him help these people 
that, you know, one just treated him terribly at the beginning. <laughs> like it's all that stuff. Right. So it's, it's building real sympathy there and a real I'm latching onto this character in a way that I have not before. And that's credit because of we're going back and filling in blanks and, and telling these stories. So I came away loving this episode. So I started where Jim is. But by the end, I feel like that's not giving it its due. If I just like say, yeah, I want more present stuff. Yeah, the present stuff is good. But if the past stuff is as good as this, I'm okay. I'm okay and with I you dipping. I think people are are underestimating how this past story is actually going to come around and influence and, right. and be related. That too. Because I think they, the, the Pike Syndicate scene is key in that he starts attacks and, and kind of sets the Tuscans up as a crime syndicate in a sense. And I think that whole thing is going to have much bigger ramifications on why this stuff is happening to him in the present. Yeah. Um, and it's going to come around, but um, yeah, I also loved how this thing put Boba Fett in the shoes of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo in some key Easter egg ways. He had to defend Tashi station where you got to get your power converters. You know, he had to go defend that. Uh, and uh, the train heist, he, he had to pull uh, Be- uh Becker's move from uh, solo with the hide behind the uh, door. We have to pull the train lit that. up and not get blasted. So that was a nice little callback. And yeah, also props to Disney, by the way, for uh, footing the bill for like two huts on screen. I really didn't think we'd see them. I'm like, oh, that's going to be too much of a a money sink. We're not going to see them yet. We're going to see them once this season. No, no. They just pop up and they're just like chilling. We did get a cute creature, by the way. He was just sitting in the hands of a hut about to be eaten (laughs) for for like 15 minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, and seeing two huts kind of slugging over each other is just disgusting. Like, ugh, I don't want to see anymore. They are, but, uh, man, they, they make their presence felt. Yeah. They're, they're yep. disturbing most times, but they make their presence felt. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff in this episode. Um, yeah, but uh, Black Kersan, oh, I can never, I always lose his name if I'm not staring straight at it. Black uh, Kersantan, Black Kersantan, yes. That's, that's, that's the main takeaway here. Um, and I want to see because Boba Fett and Black Kersantan know each other. They've worked to each other. So they like actually know each other. I would love to them to double cross the huts in the end. But that's just me. Give me and Afra. I see, and I also want to see Afra. Yeah, I want to see a collection where we get live action Afra. And I want to see Kira back. But with like now because she's a little older with like little streaks of silver fox hair as a little Game of Thrones nod. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd, be awesome. <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, we all love Amelia <laughs> Clark in that silver hair. So. <laughs> That's evil good, Santa. Yeah. Is that literally how it's like? That's how it's pronounced. Evil Santa. <laughs> evil that's Santa. That's what I'm going to say. That is how I'm referring to him from now on. Evil and Santa. a Wookiee fight would be awesome too. All right. Oh so that's God. the book of Boba Fett. I think we're, uh, we're, yeah. Damon Stream says if we get live action Afra, I'd lose it. I mean, I think anybody who's been a Star Wars comic fan for like the last nearly 10 years now will be, will be on the floor. That will be that. E- yeah. easily one of my most, like, as soon as that is announced, one of my most anticipated series of that year like i will be over over the moon like oh, i'm yeah. not super excited i saw a mention of obi-wan like i'm not real jazzed about that one that might be one you where stop you're losing me here, now no once it gets here i might get more into it but like i just like that just doesn't do it for me no, I'm, Afro I'm so will. For that. Afro. yeah Afro will but i'm psyched for obi-wan too i'm psyched for all star wars tv coming this year so stay tuned because we're gonna be hitting it all right matt let's get into uh comics this week Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to run through these a little quicker. So uh, we're going to start with the big book in the room. I'm sorry, Janelle. We're going to start with I, I felt I was like, oh, it's an X-Men week. Uh, <sighs> yeah, there was almost two X-Men books on here. And I was like, no. Nope, oh, God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Inferno uh, number four 
is the is the book we got to talk about now. I read, I went ahead and went back and just read the whole series right before. Oh my I read gosh! This. So I read all the other three issues so I could really have all this because a lot of other stuff has happened. That's so commitment. I just wanted to be fresh. And so coming into this, I one, I really think it helped me get even more out of this issue. Like I was like, this felt satisfying in a really big way, by the way, spoilers incoming for these next three books or four books actually. So FYI. Um, but I felt like it actually helped me. Like I would be curious. I, I don't know if I would have gotten as much out of it, just going in cold Turkey and not kind of refreshing my brain. Cause this is a very Hickman. There's a lot of ideas at play. It does dip into the Moira stuff in a huge way, right throughout the series. So essentially what we have is a new status quo of the way the Quiet Council and Krakoa works. Some of the best stuff here, though, is Cypher and Krakoa. Like the whole stuff about like that Krakoa has been able to not just be listening, but also like interpret with Warlock and, and Cypher and everything this whole time. And like they've just been secretly monitoring all of Xavier and Magneto's conversations and more of his stuff. And now Mystique and Destiny's like all oh, that whole layer. I was just like eating popcorn during that whole sequence when they're like in the in the bubble in the tumor and they're just talking back and forth. It is so that was so rewarding. Uh, and he's like, yeah, my wife's a badass, right? Like she comes in and like there's so many moments in there. But also it's just love the interplay of White Queen is being very much White Queen right now. And I love that Xavier and Magneto are actually having to have consequences because they've been lying to everybody about Moira. No one even like most people didn't even know she was alive. So there's a whole thing. Right. But then on top of that, oh, hey, we're we're playing. We're manipulating people and pushing them into place because we need this future to work. And so you get all the consequences of that. So going forward, now that everyone knows that is really interesting to me. Like this is the book I feel like we've been waiting for for about a year of like, let's move this era of X-Men forward. It kind of been in place for a while. And so we've been waiting for that chapter and that's what this is supposed to be. Right. Um, so I love that. I also love on the other side, the, when we have Orcus and all the manipulations on that side that like, Oh, Hey, there's a future. The, the reason they're working so hard against this is that there is a future that this whole plan works and mutants never lose. And like, like mind blown right like that's that's amazing but only one side knows that like oh my god like there's just so much in this series that i really love and i thought this issue just with how we leave stuff with moira how she's human now how we don't know how that affects her you know the, the theory is that if she dies then her mutant power would not kick in so that we're not gonna get this future won't be undone but you don't know that. Like, we don't know if that's the case. Like, there's this really interesting question out there. Uh, and you have all these pieces on the board that are working against each other, just within me. Like, oh, my God, I love this issue. I was all about this issue. This is what I've loved about the X-Men series for the past two years. Uh, what did what did you guys think? Kofi, you got to go first. <laughs> I think uh, I was going to burst my bubble. I know. I think this is a lot about what we liked originally about House of X and Powers of Ten. Uh, kind of return to form in the sense that you had this heady stuff and these deep concepts and these great conversational things that shows Hickman really gets these characters so much that it, it, he really is good about moving and, and manipulating the subtext around. So every conversation is so kind of weighty, like you said, and has so much importance and, and so much character psychology behind it without, 
overstating it. Like, like you said, white queen is being white queen. And you're like, yep, you know, white queen gonna white queen. And like <laughs> the things that Xavier and Magneto do and say, and even just kind of giving more liveliness to characters like Doug Ramsey, who's kind of like a blank stepping pad until Hickman kind of changed him in, into what oh, he's a completely now. different, like yeah. it's amazing night and day. Yeah, but still feels like Doug in that kind of all shucks kind of nice way. And and so I, I think this was a return to form, but it's also balanced against a really thrilling kind of basic to follow threat and action scene with Professor X and Magneto taking on Magne- picking on Omega Sentinel and Nimrod, which has been one of my favorite X-Men fights, maybe, so maybe of all time because of just how unleashed and brutal that fight gets. Um, and in the ultimate, you know, ending of it. But uh, yeah, and I don't know, I feel like the X, but I still think like the X-Men writers were kind of split on some of these ideas because there was like, there's a very unhick, there's untying of some very Hickman things in this issue, like the whole Moira X and the lives thing. They kind of potentially take that off the board. You say it could be come back as an interesting, but it could also just be like, okay, now that's over. Like she's human. Right. We, we, we human. have no that. idea. Yeah. yeah, and so like we're not going to because this is breaking our brains, and we're not Jonathan Hickman, and we're not going to wander about these timelines and draw charts and maps and all this stuff. Like, yeah, but um, I think as far as a new status quo goes, it's good because it acknowledges a lot of the stuff that we set up in the very beginning, like when we saw this premise. Like, you know, not not all these mutants are the same. Like. Everybody has different agendas. Bringing everybody under your roof and saying we're all mutants is an idealistic thing that is going to get messed up and messy and and bring all the kind of drama we want to read about. And that's the status quo that we're at now. And so I'm kind of really curious to see where we take it. But um, all in the whole, I still love this era of X-Men. I like Krakoa. I like this whole idea of mutants. I like the coordination of powers and the things they're doing, like terraforming planets. And I like now that I said, like I said, I like that this ends with a very simplistic, straightforward threat. Like, here's what we're doing. And I like that the machines are kind of mutinizing themselves and being like, you know, I think it's a quote from House of X, right? Where Megan Sentinel says, did you think we'd just sit there and like take it? Yeah, because that's what the mutants said. And so I'm liking how all these things are being arranged because, I mean, the classic X-Men stuff with like Days of the Future Past and the Sentinels and the original Nimrod stories in or Operation Zero Tolerance with Bastion in the 90s, all that stuff is some of the best stuff. So I like that this is now a very clear cut and not just the meandering kind of world of let's just live in, you know, this Dawn of X Krakoa world and just see what kind of fun things happen. Like, I like that we're getting back to kind of which is what makes me kind of worried moving forward, because, you know, when you read interviews with Hickman and he talks about like, you know, this was supposed to happen sooner, but it got kind of pushed off because, Oh, we really like living in this world. And it, and I understand why, cause it's cool. But you know, now it's like, there was a three chapter thing, right? It was a kind of a three event thing. Inferno was the second. And so then you're like, okay, well he left all the kind of, Hey, here's all the <laughs> templates and guidelines of where we were going, but he's not on X-Men anymore. Now he's still, I'm sure. And I'm, you know, he's working on other stuff, but like, he's still, they can go to him at any time. It's not like they've lost that resource, but at the same time, it's not him only shepherding it. So I do get a little worried that we're going to have that thing again, where it's going to be like, okay, now we're living in this world for another year and a half, two years. And then we'll get to that next one. Like, I don't want it to lose momentum. It, it has that momentum again, that it kind of lacked for a bit. And so I really hope that the, they don't sacrifice that for just, Hey, this is fun. 
I, yeah. I want them to get to that next part because it's really interesting. So. Wow. Hey, yeah, just our I resident mean, X-Men hater. <laughs> I I just wish I had some kind of I wish I had more of a background. Uh it's very hard to catch up, but I will say that this wasn't impossible to understand or wrap my head around. <laughs> like I get it. It's it's cool. I don't know why they have to be so long, but um <laughs> because I don't have the background, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't care about some of the dialogue and things like that. But like I please know, like I really don't hate it's just it's tedious if you did not grow up on X-Men and mutants. And um, but I'm getting it, and you guys are forcing me, and I'm getting there, and I'm recognizing so I'm like, oh, I know who that is, or I have no idea who this is, but I like this person. So um, there's just a lot of moments of, of it, it was obviously like my least favorite read, but but not my least favorite read ever. Just right. it it was cool. It was fine. And I get where they're going. And, um, you know, I, I, I have a guidebook. I got a guidebook, like a dictionary of mutants. So I need to like read through that. <laughs> Wait, to answer a question, I don't think you I think you joined the show after we did House of X, right? Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. so. No, in our early, yeah. very early first season, if you want to dig back, yeah, we did House of X like as one of the first things, and that was before Janelle, you know, before we could afford to have like actual <laughs> really great hosts. So, <laughs> which is me and Matt wow. slogging through it. But uh, yeah, get back into the classic comic book nation. Why not? All right, next book. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's jump over to Batman, uh, Batman One Nineteen, which is the uh, second issue of this newest run. And, and for those who don't remember, last time we left off, uh, Lex Luthor. And Batman were kind of having a, a little bit of a showdown. And um, Luther is the one that funded Batman Inc. to hunt down Abyss, who is this, you know, they kind of cover this character, this person that's been killed. And, and we don't know why and things like that. Right. Um, and then this issue kind of kind of jumps out of that because like now they're alive. I had a hard time following oh, man. that. Yeah, man. I kind of had a hard time Listen, following let's that. Let's just get in. We can do this real quick. Yeah. Like this Batman run needs to really define what it's talking about and like who Abyss is. You can't have an Abyss arc if none of us give a crap about Abyss. Thank like, God. I thought it was just me. Yeah, I didn't no, know who like, it was. You've got to <laughs> no, establish okay. who this villain is. These yeah. cool in the dark things. Like I'd rather go watch the Bane scene from Dark Knight Rises. Oh, you merely adopted the dark. Like you know, recreating that on a comic book page. Blind Batman at the end of it. Like, mm. like Batman can't put a cloth over his face and still kick some ass. Like I mean, like yeah, we got to really. This Abyss character looks cool, but I don't know who or what it does, what its powers are, right. or why I should care. Like, yeah. So the best thing about this was Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor having dinner and yes. okay. about the bottle of wine. And I don't know if it's just because I started succession at the same time, but oh, like, yeah. yeah, that was a great, that was a great scene. And well, I that's been the that. best part of this book to this point is mm -hmm. anytime Bruce or Batman or whatever form he's in. And I, and also Luther knows who he is. Right. So you can play on that both ways, but like that whole scene is excellent. And even the funding, like the offering to fund Batman, right? Because like Joker screwed you out of your money. It's like all that stuff is really interesting. I just wanted to see more of that. The Abyss stuff looks really cool. Now, I will say I'm going to give it a chance because we did say the same things about Ghostmaker. And Ghostmaker ended up being pretty dope. <laughs> so yeah, the designer yeah but so I think the designer, yes but we knew who ghostmaker was like true when, that's true like 
I didn't even like, I mean, but like, we don't, I mean, like he's a dude who's like Batman, you know what I mean? He was yes. in, except with more tech. And I loved and his backstory. Kind of yeah. I love yeah. their, I think they were way better though about sharing his backstory earlier right. as opposed to this, who I still yeah. don't have context. Right. So yeah. So that's Janelle. What'd you think? Yeah, same. I mean, I I don't think I disliked it as much as you guys, uh, but I am because I am really interested in this character. Like this character, it, like, it looks right up my alley. Like his freaking scary Knock dude at Phantasm. an EDM concert. Like, Knock off Phantasm. That's what <laughs> wow, you're such a hater, I know. <laughs> but I'm excited. I, I do want to see where it goes. I wouldn't say I'm excited. Let's, I would, let's not overplay this. I'm interested <laughs> to see uh, more about this. And I, again, I'm like you. I I want to keep. I want to keep reading it to see if, if it pays off. Um, awesome. All right. Moving mm-hmm. into our uh, next one. Uh, Captain Marvel number 35. Yo. Uh, so, okay. So last of the Marvel's part four, <laughs> which is the, the second to last chapter next month will be the, the final part of this particular arc. Uh, we have just kind of moving through it. It's, it's a bunch of action. Uh, if you are a fan of the, kind of Marvel section of characters. I've been wanting a Carol and Philavel team up for a while now, uh, ever since she was teased and we get that here <laughs> it's, and it's great. Um, there's a lot of kind of pop-ups of like Novar is just back chilling. He's just alive. <laughs> He's just alive. And they even go like, Hey, to find out more about that, that's coming. I was like, Oh, okay. I like, love he's, that. Just, yeah. he's just there and uh, we'll get more info on that later. But I just love all the stuff with this, like, being of energy that she created and like becoming sentient and even reaching back and becoming like jumping into her binary costume from back in the day. Cause she has kind of some of Carol's memories, that mystery in and it of itself is like my favorite part of this. Like, I just love that. I love how it looks. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited to see what the, the final part of this uh, delivers, but you know, Janelle, what do you think? Agreed. I just think there's a lot going on in a beautiful way. It, they, it's a great job of, making so much happen in a shorter page book that is enjoyable. Like every single part of it has been enjoyable. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I want more of. And so when I hold other books up to things like this, it's, it's kind of hard. It's difficult because I don't know a lot of these characters either. Right. But I like them and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so cool. I like, I get who you are and what you're about in such a small little section or feature that I'm, I really, I think that's very admirable. I think it's, it's a lot, it's very talent. They have a lot of talent to be able to accomplish that. Yeah. And that reinforcement page on the like last two pages, I was like, Oh my God, that's going to be amazing. I can't wait yeah. for issue five. By the way. Yes. Uh, Brywood, um, B- Kelly Thompson is killing both black widow is excellent too. If you're not reading black widow, oh, that's also great. Uh, okay. and her series here. Uh, and then last, but certainly not least the poll, uh, was dark Knights of steel. Number three, uh, yes. which by the way, surprised me. Cause it was up against some, some good competition. I'm so, so uh, glad. Thank you for picking that one. everybody. <laughs> I was so excited. Well, this is, uh, you know, we covered the first issue. I don't think we covered the second issue on here. Um, but this, again, we kind of, have a lot of there's been a lot of back and forth between the two kind of major kingdoms uh, in this book. And this issue kind of makes another big uh, Tom Taylor is all about the uh, is all about the shocking, like those shocking moments that like tug right at your heartstrings. Uh, and there's and there's some in here, too. Uh, but some of the most interesting stuff, um, it's just the stuff on like the things between kingdoms and alliances and like the political intrigue side of this is what I actually liked about 
this yeah. issue most. Um, also, it's gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I, that's the stuff. And then, of course, at the end, we kind of get a, a te- more of a tease towards like Bruce and and Clark's relationship. Um, sorry, Cal's. I'm so used to calling him Clark, <laughs> Cal's relationship. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. I enjoyed this issue as well. Kofi, what do you think? I think these kinds of stories can get so cheesy. I said that when we first started covering this, but this one continues to kind of nail it by slotting DC Ooh. characters in like really great roles and just making the medieval thing work in a very kind of organic feeling, but still familiar feeling way. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's a good adaptation of DC gone medieval and yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And like, yeah, I, I enjoy, it's already a world. I think I said this in the beginning, but I, I'll say it. I can't remember. And so I'll say it again. It's a world I would love to live in as a regular DC timeline, you know, yeah. cause it yeah. just feels like it could be so much fun. Agreed. Yeah. Beautifully if there's anyone said. left. <laughs> yeah. And, oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, Game most of are dying real quick in this. Like, <laughs> horribly. Like oh, yeah, horribly. Yeah. Also, Constantine as a king advisor. Yes. Like that all yes. day. So oh, good. Janelle, yeah. what do you think? No, I just I feel like Kofi just put the bow on it. Perfectly said. It's just it's really exciting. I love this. And it it was my favorite book of the week. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Well, good job on the poll, everyone. And uh that's yeah. all right. That will do it for this first episode of Comic Book Nation Season 4. We once again would like to thank Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio for coming by and chatting with us. It was much appreciated kickoff to this new season. If you are just now getting into the show, you can find past seasons of Comic Book Nation on all your favorite podcast platforms on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can even tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will play for you. And you can find all previous three seasons of the show. New episodes from season four will be up every Friday uh, in the afternoon. If you want to see us do it live and watch the live stream, we are always live Friday at noon Eastern on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. But if you miss any of those, you can go to any of those platforms and just rewatch the broadcast after we are done the live stream. So be sure to get going and follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Nation, or you can hit us up individually. I am at Kofi Outlaw. I am at Aguilar CB. And I am at Janelle Wheeler. And if you like this podcast and you want more comic book uh, podcast content, we have a Marvel-focused podcast, Phase Zero, which also streams on Twitch every Wednesday. And a Pokemon-featured focused podcast, A Wild Pokemon Has Appeared, which also airs and streams on on our Twitch channel Mondays. So we got a whole comic book network of podcasts going up and who knows where we'll go from here dc nation all right so (laughs) we will see you guys next time on comic book nation thank you if you're just joining us for season four and for all our regular fans glad to have you back big things in store this season we're gonna be doing some changes and I'm, i'm excited about it so see you guys next time comic book nation we're out